Welcome to the House Hacking Success Podcast, where you'll learn the path to free rent and financial freedom through real estate. Featuring your hosts, Brad Labrie and Drew Klingler. Hey, everyone. Real quick before we start the show, Brad wrote an amazing ebook that will teach you everything you need to know about house hacking and living rent free. To get a free copy, text house hack, all one word to 22828. That's house hack, all one word to 22828 to get your free copy. All right, welcome to House Hacking Success. This is our third episode of Ask House Hacking Success. I'm pumped, man. It's uh, It's been awesome. We've gotten a lot of great questions, so we're excited to answer them. Yeah, great. So uh, let's let's get going. Uh, the first question is from Bill, and he asked, do you advise getting a move-in ready house hack or rehab it and do the burr house hack strategy? That's a great question. And uh, Drew and I have done both sides of this. Drew started move-in ready, and because I started as a flipper, uh, I started, when I did my first house hack, I did the burr strategy. Uh, which was renovate, you know, if, for people unfamiliar, it's buy, renovate, rent out, refinance, and repeat. Okay, that's what the BRRRR is. It's an acronym. Um, so it, my answer is it depends. It depends on who you are, what your risk tolerance is, and what your knowledge is of real estate. Craig Curlock came on the show, the author of the best-selling book from Bigger Pockets, uh, which is The House Hacking Strategy, a great book to have. You should definitely read it. Um, but he talked about his, you know, his journey. Right, and he's done both, but he started with move in ready, and he talk he speaks to the fact that if you start move in ready, you learn so much along the way that you didn't know before, right? And so if you jump into a burr and you don't have really any knowledge of real estate, it can be overwhelming. It's going to be stressful. You're going to have a lot going on. So you just have to weigh the pros and cons. What do you know? What's your risk tolerance? Two hundred three Ks are awesome. Right, the two the FHA two hundred three K loan, which is a renovation loan. I personally use one. We had Matt Picaro uh, on the show episode three, who talked about it. Right, he's a huge fan of it. That was his first deal. But if it's your first deal, it could be overwhelming. Right, there's a lot of variables, a lot of things you're not going to see coming. Uh, it's going to take time. So if you want to start with a move in ready, I'm a hundred percent fine with that because again, like Craig Curlop talked about, like almost everyone else we talked to on the show talks about. The greatest ROI of house hacking is living for free, is living without a mortgage, right? That's the big return. All the other investors, they need an ROI. They need cash flow. You know, they need it. They're investing for appreciation. We don't necessarily need those immediately, right? We can we can wait a while to get appreciation. We can wait a while to get positive cash flow, right? Those things can be pushed off. Because our ROI is saving 30 to 40% of our budget, which usually goes to housing, uh, mortgage, or rent, right? That's the average American. 30 to 40% is what they're spending. You have the ability, and, and sometimes even more, right? And some of the expensive markets are 50%, right? Uh, so we don't want to exclude that. So again, the greatest ROI is living for free or coming close to living for free. Craig Curlop lived behind a curtain. So that he can live for free, right? I mean, it's a great, it's one of the best house hacking stories out there, right? He, he want, you know, he was $200 short on his uh, mortgage every month. So he Airbnb'd his normal house. He lived behind a curtain, right? So it's going to take sacrifice sometimes. You don't got to go to that extreme if you don't want to, but look at his success. He's a best-selling author now, right? He's burring all over the country. 
invested in Jacksonville, Florida. He's now in North Carolina, right? A lot of times it takes making sacrifice to get that reward. Uh, and so, you know, I am all for people going move in ready, learn the curve, learn what being landlord is, uh, because it is a lot to take on a burr if it's your first one. Uh, but if you want to do that, let's go for it. Shoot me a DM. I'm more than willing to help you out. Yeah, those are great points. I mean, for myself, I wanted to do a move in ready to start. Uh, I just wasn't up for a burr, I guess. Uh, seemed like a lot at one time into real estate investing. So finding a move in ready and just dipping my toe in the water. Now that I've had that experience, I'm like, I'm all for it. I want to do a burn now. Like I want to, I want to do a 203k loan. I want to renovate a place, but it took that building of the confidence to get me ready for that. So if you're not confident or, or if you just don't want to do the work or the extra renovations, finding a move, find a move in ready. And then if you got some experience with renovating, like you, uh, you had a background in flipping. So going and doing a burr, I mean, it's a pretty natural thing to do. Yeah, well, just like Craig Krulop. You know, you're exactly like, you know, Craig Krulop, which was, you know, get your feet wet, uh, live for free. Now you're cash flowing now that you moved out, right? Uh, and so, you know, now you're all set to jump into a burr and you're going to do amazing. But it took getting your feet wet, gaining confidence, learning the landlording side, Right. Because there's a lot you have to learn. Uh, account. You have to become an accountant. You have to become a landlord. You have to become now a contractor and a project manager. Right. Like there's a lot of hats you got to put on if you're going to combine the two right up front. I mean, there's huge reward for it. Right. Huge reward. I reaped it. Matt Picaro reaped it. Right. A lot of others reaped it. But again, it's going to be stressful. It's going to be a learning curve. Right. Everything's not going to go right. Uh, like me. I mean, I got fortunate that I didn't get, you know, put in horrible tenants. But my first time, I didn't put in the right tenant, right? And so basically, I played musical chairs with all my units, you know, and they all flipped uh-huh. over uh, <laughs> after the leases expired on the on the first time because I didn't get the right tenants, right? Uh, they all paid, you know, and, and I got pretty fortunate, right? Nothing really seriously happened, but they just weren't the right ones. Um, so there's a, a big learn. All I'm, I say all of that to say that there's a big learning curve and moving uh, going into a move-in ready where you're just literally not paying anything, that's a win-win. Absolutely. It's a lifelong game. There's nothing wrong with moving slow in this. Yeah. And and even even uh, Craig Krillop said the fact that, like, you know, 90% of the people he knows, he said he really doesn't even know uh, very many investors that didn't start as house actors. That's a huge point, right? Almost no one really knows this because it's like, it's like the real estate dirty little secret. Uh, but almost every investor starts out house hacking uh, because, like, it's you just merge everything together. You learn on the job right? You're building equity. You don't got to get it right the first time. You know, you, you can go to a property, you can go into a property. It could be a, a subpar property or as you know, but if you're breaking even you win, if you live right. for free, you win. Right. And in the long, you know, in the long run, you're going to get a paid off property. You're in a cash flow at some point, the house is going to appreciate, right? The debt's going to get paid down. It's going to get paid off, right? You get to depreciate, uh, you know, on your taxes, right? So you got tax benefits. I mean, it's just, there's so much in there. You know, you got leverage involved, your ROIs, uh, 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 um, you know, out of this world because you put little down. So a lot of great uh, things to house hacking. So we got a question from Stan. He asked, I was wondering, do you use a specific account to store your CapEx, vacancy, maintenance, and management costs? Yeah, it's important to for every property. I mean, initially, this isn't something to worry about, just like LLCs. We get a lot of questions on, you know, should I get an LLC? Should I buy in my LLC? Well, if you only have one property, what are you protecting it from, right? 
asset protection is something that you want to do for the long run when you start to build wealth. Uh, but Chad Carson has a great, um, you know, a great video out there. He just put it out there in the past week or two where he goes, you know, should you go for asset protection or like asset buildup? Like it was, it was, a, he was joking, of course, but like, uh, you know, worry about asset buildup. It's a good problem. It's a good problem to have if you're, you're protecting your assets and that should come down the road after you have one or two properties. Right. So um, same thing here. You don't need to focus on this because it's your own rock buy, right? So initially, but once you get to a point, yes, absolutely. Uh, like my wife and I, we have separate bank accounts, right? Uh, get a separate bank account for each property. The cash flow should go through that. You should track it through the, you know, those accounts. You should have separate reserves for each account. Uh, something unique um, that a lot of investors have begun doing is having reserves and properties. And that way, you don't necessarily have to account for vacancy and maintenance repairs, and sometimes even CapEx. As long as you have a certain amount of money uh, in reserve for each property, right, that becomes that, right? And you take all the cash flow initially, you pour it into a savings account um, for that property. Maybe you pour some additional from your own personal income or, or whatever from other properties. Um, but in the long run, you're now cash flowing. You got that reserve there. So if anything big happens, you pull from that. Uh, so that's how I would treat that. Yeah, and it's probably better to start off with those reserves. But if that's not an option, I would just immediately start once you get that property saving up for those reserves. So if you're going into house hack, you're going to be saving a ton a month, you know, from your living costs. So then you can immediately start pay, putting those savings into reserves. And then if you're moving out and you're cash flowing on a property, then you can do the same thing. So Kev asked, do we have any advice on how to find renters? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, for uh, For you and I, who are in different markets, we have had the best luck on Facebook Marketplace. I mean, we, you know, we market to uh, all sorts of different sites, right? Apartments.com, uh, Zillow, Renner, Zumper, right? There's a lot of different, uh, you know, places you can advertise, but Facebook Marketplace is incredible. And, you know, you can even go in and do some research on the people. You find out where they, you know, their most current job generally you find out, you know, where, you know, you just find out a lot because Facebook lists uh, different things about people. You can, you know, kind of scroll down and see what type of person they are. Um, so it, that's a great resource that we use. Um, but then after that, you know, if the question is, how do you find the right tenant um, after you market and you get people in, it's now doing due diligence, right? We're going to have a questionnaire and there are a lot of resources for that. We can list some. Um but you're gonna you're gonna find out about people. You're gonna follow up on it. You're gonna call their employer. You're gonna call their past uh, landlords, right? You're gonna call the references they have and verify, right? You're gonna verify all their information, um, and you're gonna start to you know weed out the people that qualify for it, right? If you have uh, set criteria for maybe three times the rent, which is generally a good uh, basis to go by, they should make monthly three times the rent. Um, so if they you know, if, if you're renting a $1,000 uh, unit, they should probably make around $3,000 a month, right? That's kind of the, that there's the 33% that the normal budget is in. So that kind of aligns with that, right? Um, maybe you have a credit score criteria. Maybe you have a no smoking criteria. Um, maybe you have a no pet policy. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, right? Like this is a list of criteria. You should go down and list um, of what you do and don't want in a tenant. And then as you're taking in applications, uh, you're starting to weed out the people that don't meet those criteria, right? And that weeds down the amount of employers you got to call, the amount of references you got to call, right? So, uh, you know, that's how you go about finding the right tenant. 
Yeah, so Facebook Marketplace was great for me. I remember my first uh, unit that I listed. It was like 9 or 10 p.m. at night, and I woke up to 19 messages the next day, just overnight. And throughout that week, I ended up getting 65 messages, and I did a ton of showings. Ended up finding some really good tenants. But if if that's not really hitting it for you, there's a lot of other places online that you can start to list that property and find tenants. I mean, Zillow, for one, everyone uses Zillow to look for houses, so people are on there looking for rentals, too. But um, to add on to the screening of tenants, uh, Craig Kurlop, we just had him on the show, and he mentioned a website called Cozy.co, where you can have people apply and a background check gets ran, and Cozy.co handles all of that for you and pretty much automates that process. And then once they get cleared and you accept them as a tenant, you can actually collect rent through that website, too. Which is super convenient. You know, um, you know, something that you and I have gotten good at is automating that side of things, right? To where the old days you interacted with cash and and, and check. So you actually had to meet up the tenant, you know, at a specific time. You had to coordinate schedules, right? All of these things. Well, that that can be challenging, right? People's, uh, you know, some people work late. Some people work second shift. Some people work this. Some people are out of town or maybe even you're out of town, right? So automating it is, first of all, essential, uh, but then when you can go through one specific site for everything, like Cozy.co, like that's amazing. So Pavlast, is the cash flow strategy possible in an expensive market? Yes, absolutely. And we actually just talked to Craig about his market in Denver. He's an agent just like I am. Uh, and the best strategy out there in Denver, because it's so hot right now, the market's so hot, is renting by the bedroom, buying a four or five uh, bedroom house and renting by the bedroom. Right. And so, yes, it absolutely is. It generally uh, it's generally you got to be a little bit creative. Right. But if you can't find multi units or multi units are so expensive in your market, like Denver, like California in some spots, like, you know, New York or some uh, places in Florida. Right. If you are in a really hot market, running by the bedroom can be, you know, a great strategy. Right. Get going and buying a four or five or six. Uh, bedroom house if you can find it in your market or maybe even a little bit outside of your market you might have to go a little bit outside right but you find that and you rent by the bedroom you know that can be a great strategy to meet your mortgage or even cash flow so we have a question from cheryl and it's how can i put less money down on an fha loan yeah so there's a couple strategies that are pretty unique that aren't necessarily talked about that much and each one has a pros and a cons right but number one is using your 401k or investment account, right? I just did this with a client of mine. We're closing on Monday with this. And he took money from his 401k and he put it for his down payment. He looked at what his return was from his 401k account. And he's like, dude, that's absurd, right? Like I'm not really, it's not really doing anything for me. Let me take that money, put it into real estate, eliminate my mortgage and my rent payments, right? Because he was renting. And now he's going to, right, now he's going to win with this, right? The other strategy that we actually combined it with for this client, but you can do this, you know, however you want, is seller concessions. You could do one of two things. You can uh, just go, you know, make, have a lower asking price, you know, go under their asking price and ask for seller concessions. You can, uh, you know, if you're in, a, in a, a pretty competitive market, you can go at asking price. And you know, ask for seller concession, or if you're in a very competitive market, you can go above asking price and then ask for seller concessions. And all that is, for those that don't know, is the seller is going to grant you money at closing. It can go towards the down payment, right? So, um, you know, if you have a two hundred thousand dollar 
house and you got to bring 10 grand to closing, right? With after uh, closing costs, they want 200,000. You can go in and say, Hey, you, you know, you get, you know, I'll give you 210,000. You give me 8,000 back in sessions or 10,000. Right. And now if you get 8,000 back, all you got to put in is $2,000 now instead of 10. And you can put the, that other money as reserve for the property or to renovate the property. So you can get creative. Those are the, um, those are a couple of ways that have worked for me with FHA and lowering that 3.5% down. If you want to take that money and keep it as reserves, right? We're not going to go take that money and go blow it on a uh, truck payment or a new truck or, or whatever, you know, a trip, uh, which all those things are great, but we have to make sure we also have reserves for the property. We can't just go in at 0% down and not actively try to get reserves and actively try to get equity in the property. Yeah. And you can do that on a conventional loan too, right? It doesn't just have to be an FHA. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Any any base any loan product you can do that with. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you're buying a property for uh, your personal, um, y- you know, personal use, you're what your owner occupied. Four hundred one k has a hardship program, and that, that that doesn't mean that you have to have horrible, uh, you know, financial situation. That just means that they allow you to put it towards a house for a minimal cost, right? They, you don't you don't have the big fee like normal person would to just take out their money. Um, so speak with your, uh, 401k provider, right? Fidelity was the company that, you know, transacted this for my client. Um, but there are many different, you know, 401k holders, speak with them, see how much you can pull out, see what it will cost, weigh the pros and cons. And like he did, I mean, taking that money out versus what he was making in his 401k, no brainer. Awesome. That's an amazing strategy. So yeah, we really appreciate your guys' questions. We kept this show short and sweet. Uh, just because we value your time, but continue to submit questions every week. We're going to have a ask HHS and we're going to answer all of your questions because it helps us better understand what you're looking for, what you guys are thinking and how we can help you get into your house. Act. Cool. Keep the questions coming. We love to answer them. We love working on the podcast and uh, we're looking forward to the next episode. All right. You guys have a great day.